so it looks like we're back. Looks like we're good. Um, so yeah, we're gonna give this uh, attempt number three. So what are we talking about today? We're gonna talk about different ways to house hack for the third time. We've had Third technical difficulties on the first and second. so It's a learning curve, all right? Yeah. If you're hearing this, it worked. If you're not hearing this, we're never recording house hacking ever again. <laughs> so I guess you guys have zero options to house hack because I know this is your only way to learn about real estate. Right. <laughs> only one. <laughs> only one. You're listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast with Cody Burton and Rebecca Scott. So what is house hacking for anybody listening that doesn't never heard of that term before? Yeah, this is a term that I feel like was coined about, I'm not sure who did, but we started using the term about six or seven years ago. And it was kind of new then, in at least here in Denver and to my knowledge of it, because I said it to the owner of my company and he was like, what is house hacking? And... And he goes, I love that term. And so then we we started building all of these, you know, different things around house hacking. And it was just funny because it was kind of a new term at that point, which just goes to show how new this stuff really is. Mm -hmm. And when I say people have been doing this forever, but it's new for people to hand out free information about it. Right. Yeah. You know, you weren't seeing it on the bigger pockets and all these other investing websites because people... We're greedy with information. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people were more traditional. So you had to kind of like know how to work the system in order to do something like this. Yes. And I feel like what you mean by that is it used to be essentially you buy a house, Mm -hmm. you live in it for however long. I mean, people always use the term dream home or my forever home. And I have very large air quotes around that because (laughs) I do not believe in either of those statements. Nope, I'm with you. Not even a little bit um, because the average person lives in a house for seven years nationwide, but six years here in Denver. So that's not a forever home or your dream home. Maybe it's a dream home at the time, but dreams change as they should, you know? Absolutely. So step one, house hacking, buy a house pretty simple. Any house. Yep. I mean, it can truly be any house that you can afford. I am a house hacker. That's how I got started in real estate. So if you want to know more about that, we have a podcast on my story. Um, But essentially you buy a house, maybe it needs some renovations. That's my favorite kind of house to buy. So that's what I did. Um, But house hacking is you buy a house for as little money down, live in it for a certain amount of time, Maybe you fix it up during that time. Maybe you don't. And then you move out of it. You don't sell it when you move out. And you put as little money down as your next house. And then you just keep doing that, moving every one to two years. Or even it could be months. It could be years. It could be whatever is best for your financial situation. And then that's how you just collect properties. Yeah. Yeah, And a lot of people don't realize to have something qualify as a primary home, Mm -hmm. you only actually have to intend to live there for one year. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when it comes to house hacking and building a portfolio this way, think it's going to be super slow because they think they need to live there for like years and years. Right. And they don't realize how quickly you can turn around into multiple properties. Absolutely. And you do have to have that intent to live there. That is the biggest key to that because so many people try to game the system and 
again, air quotes around have the intent to live in there and then they don't actually move in. And if they never had that intent, it's actually mortgage fraud. Yeah. Definitely don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I've hear, heard, I've heard a lot of agents out there preach, you know, just have the intent to live in there and then you can move in and never move in. Yeah. With serious air quotes the whole time they're talking about it. Right. And you can do that, but just know that you are committing mortgage fraud. <laughs> yeah. And the thing with house hacking, because the idea is to do it every year, every couple years, like eventually a good chance you'll get caught. You know, Absolutely. Maybe it's the second house. Maybe it's the 11th house. But eventually. If you get audited, you will get caught. Yeah, exactly. And if you move, let's say you move 11 months rather than 12 months out of your, your primary and you're buying another primary, well, you actually have to write a letter to the bank that you're using and let them know why you're leaving. Mm -hmm. So it gets, it all depends on your risk tolerance, I suppose, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm yeah. not there. I'm quite Mor risky, but not. Mortgage fraud is definitely not in my risk tolerance. <laughs> no, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Sometimes you just got to play by the rules. Yeah. No, yeah. but house hacking is fun because there are so many different ways that you can do it. You can either collect properties, and I use that term because I like to use collect properties when talking about house hacking rather than acquiring properties. And when I say acquire a property, I'm talking about properly investing, putting 25% down on something. Um, I think that there's a big difference in that, and I, people don't realize that. Because a lot of times when you buy a house hacking house, there is a part lifestyle choice in there. So, you know, you're going to buy a house that you have to live in for a year, but you don't want to live in something that you're solely buying as an investment property, right? So there is some people it's 50%, some people it's 75%, some people it's 20%, but there is a percentage of that property that is lifestyle purchase yeah. for you. One, well, it changes too, right? Like I know a lot of people, we both know a lot of house hackers. You've done house hacking. And it seems just from what I've seen is like the first one tends to be a little bit more heavily on the investment and yeah. then maybe it moves to a little bit more 50-50 and then yes. as you go on, it starts to be more and more lifestyle. But that's the whole point. Yeah. As you collect those properties, as you get that income, you grow your net wealth, you can afford to be a little bit more lifestyle focused Absolutely. and not 100% investment focused. And then maybe you do a cash out or a HELOC or even sell one and then turn it into a traditional investment. Exactly. So you've got lots of options. Exactly. And I mean, I have done pretty much all ways of house hacking, um, except for Airbnb. I bought my primary house that we live in now to Airbnb part of it because I have a separate entrance for, you know, I've got a kitchenette downstairs. So it's truly the perfect setup for an Airbnb. I just... And then that lifestyle decision took over. <laughs> that lifestyle decision really took over because we're three minutes from a downtown area and we were like, oh, this would be perfect. Yep. You know, everybody's going to want to Airbnb it. It's in such a good location. Never did it. Yeah. So house hacking, you know, I think a lot of people might sit here and listen to this and say, oh, you know, that's great. That obviously makes a ton of sense. But mm -hmm. like, I have to sell my home because there's no way I can save up. Right. a down payment for a primary house that's, again in 12 months. That's the number one objection. So how do people get around that? Yeah, so what's interesting about collecting homes is you're always gonna wanna put as little money down as possible. So 
you get into a house for 3% down or 3.5% down, or sometimes there are conventional loans going for 1% down depending on what season of the economy we're in. Yeah. Or if you're VA, you can get in with nothing down. VA loans are the absolute best for house hacking. Um, Anybody listening that qualifies for that, take advantage of your VA loan. That is a huge, huge, huge benefit. Um, that you can really use to grow your wealth. And you earned it. Absolutely. So use it. So so what happens is you get into the first one for as little money down. And then you just continue to save throughout that entire time. You save as much money as you can. But if you can't save enough money for the next down payment, well, maybe your house has appreciated so much that you can actually pull that equity out by using a HELOC or a cash out refinance. And then you can use that money that you pulled out and use it for your next one. I call that recycling your down payment. Mm -hmm. And it's a really easy way to just keep using that initial investment over and over again. Yeah. It's a great way to do it, especially in markets like Denver that do appreciate so quickly. I mean, it's totally reasonable in a year to think you'd have enough that you can pull out and have another down payment. Um, Your other option, very common, having roommates in the property. So yeah, Maybe you rent a place with, you know, a bunch of bedrooms, you live in one, you rent out the others, then you're living mortgage free. But rather than spend it, take what you would be paying on your mortgage, save that for the next one. Or like I know, you know, my clients that they specifically buy places that have either a lot of bedrooms on the lower floor or a lot of bedrooms in a basement. Yep. And they rent that out by the room and keep the main floor that they're living on empty. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. They yeah. have roommates, they get higher rent by renting by the room rather than you know renting the full place. They live there, so it's totally legal. Yep. But they also get the benefit of feeling like they live on their own because nobody's on the same floor as them. So that's a really good strategy that way. Absolutely. I actually last week closed on a property, which what they're gonna do is renovate the bottom and put a kitchenette and all of that in there. And unfortunately, they're going through a divorce. It's really amicable. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And so they're splitting two houses for the kids. And so they're this house that they just bought, um, they are going to build out the basement. So there's a kitchenette and they can live there. And then they will, when they're not living there, they're going to Airbnb it out. But they're also going to have renters on the top floor because it's completely separate entrances. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they're kind of doing both where... The main floor has consistent income. It doesn't cover the mortgage just because it is small and inconvenient to have people in and out. Of, you know, So you're not going to get top dollar for yeah. that. But they have the option to live there when they need to. And then they're going to Airbnb it the other time. So this one property is going to have two different streams of income that are completely separate. Yeah. Two streams of income and three uses for them. Exactly. That's great. Exactly. And that's the thing about house hacking. It is so flexible. There's so many different ways to do it. You have the roommate option. um, Likely can cover the mortgage that way. Save up for that next down payment even quicker. You have the Airbnb option, which is huge right now. I mean, Airbnb has just blown up over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, but maybe you don't want to do either of those. You know, I think a lot of people, when they think of house hacking, specifically think of, you know, single family property, that sort of thing. But a lot of people don't realize you can get a better rate and put less down on a multifamily property as well. Yeah. 
I wish somebody would have told me to do this when I was getting started because me too. <laughs> this is absolutely the option I would have chosen. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's another episode we should do soon is what we wish we would have known when yeah. we started. Cause this is one of them that's high on my list. Yes, absolutely. Me too. So, you know, you can, as a primary home, you can get a duplex, you can get a triplex, you can get all the way up to four units. So kind of same thing as we were talking about with roommates, you know, live in one unit, rent out the other three, but then you don't have roommates. So it's kind of the, again, best of both world situations, yeah. similar to what my friends are doing, just a different kind of a property. Um, and then once you move out, rent it, you know, just like you would any traditional investment. And then you have like a proper multifamily investment in your portfolio, but you've put 10% less down on it than you would have had to otherwise right. and gotten a better rate on it. Absolutely. So win-win. It really is. And then the other nice thing about that is let's use the example of buying a quad. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, I mean, four doors with one unit. Do you mind moving that pillow? Thank you. I think she's struggling to lay down. Yeah. Good girl. Good girl. Relax a little bit. Our editor's gotten bored with us. <laughs> <laughs> needed to lay down. <laughs> let, let your hair down, girl. Uh, anyway, and so the nice thing about when you buy a quad, live in one unit. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say this quad needs some rehab. You can fix up the, the unit that you're in. And then when the next lease is up, move over to that unit. Rent out the one you just fixed up. Fix that one up. So you always have three renters at all times and you're living for free. I have yet to see somebody to move into a quad, live in one unit, and then not live for free. Yeah. And again, that's so creative because mm -hmm. not only are you fixing it up, if you're handy, you can do it while you're living there. Do it yourself. For put sure. in that sweat equity. But now as you move through that cycle you're not only living for free, but your income is going up every time you move because you can charge higher rates for the renovated units. Absolutely, great point. And you can do it gradually. So mm -hmm. rather than needing to put $10,000 into one unit, which seems high, but if you had to put that much money into one unit, you could do it over a couple months or year. I mean, whatever mm -hmm. your pace is, but it doesn't all have to be at one time. Yeah, And I mean, if you are, you know, getting into this, if you aren't flush with cash, $10,000 can seem like a lot of money to drop into a unit. Right. But if you are dropping $10,000 into a unit while living for free, yeah, totally becomes reasonable. I mean, what's the average rent here in Denver? It's, Fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks at this point for a one bedroom. For, yeah, for a one bedroom. Yeah. So, I mean, that right there, you're there for say a year. You've put your ten thousand dollars into it, and you have half of the next one already saved up. Right. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. I mean, if you kind of think of it, whatever money you would pay, let's say two grand for easy math. Mm -hmm. If you were paying two grand for a mortgage or rent. Rather than paying that to somebody, you just put it into the property. Yeah. You six know, months. pay yourself that way. And then you're talking, so to stick with this quad uh, example, so that's right there, six months worth of rent that you're living for free. So you could go through if you got, you know, the leases right and all of that. That's two years. You fixed up all four units. You've significantly raised the rents at that point. You've moved through all four of them. And you've lived for free for two years while you did it. It's incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
again, the, if we had known this, <laughs> and, I would have done it. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, and depending on you know your lifestyle and your personality and all that, you can just have your friends move in after you, <laughs> and then it's a party quad. Absolutely, <laughs> right? And you know, I think a lot of people get really turned off to house hacking because you do have to move, which I understand. Totally understandable, but. For me, I hate to move. I know you like to move. I, I hate to move. Not my thing. But if you're telling me that I need to move next door, right. 10 feet away, yeah. much easier to pill the swallow than if I have to like move across town and get a U-Haul and all of that. Right. You know, you're moving next door, do the old college way, friends, pizza, beer, move it, you know, 10 feet across the hall. You're done. Absolutely. You're done in a day. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a great way to house hack. Um, the other interesting way to use your your property for income, and, and I don't know the proper definition of house hacking. However, I would probably define it as way a way to use your property for income, right? Because yeah. that's the whole goal is to maybe you can't afford the mortgage. So you figure out ways to make your house work for you. Mm -hmm. And so one of those ways is maybe you got a house with a big concrete pad out back or a covered parking space um, or something of the sorts. Well, there's a website called Stow It that can actually, it's Airbnb for... Um, like boats, RTVs, ATVs. <laughs> I think you missed. I think RVs. you RVs, ATVs. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's for boats. A B C D E F Gs. Elemental P's. <laughs> you ever heard of those? <laughs> you should buy one for sure. Um, but it is Airbnb for boats, RVs, ATVs, anything of the sort. People mm -hmm. just need a place to put their toy yeah well and even just stuff right like people just with stuff. detached garages i know are just yes. renting out like you would a storage unit yep. and you know i first saw this a few years ago but it seems like you know when i first saw it like i didn't know anybody that did that i didn't really know anybody that would do that because it's like just go to a storage facility right but it seems like the last few years i now i know a few people that are doing this we're actually doing this in kind of an extreme fashion so you know we have a 40 foot rv not exactly something I can park in the driveway. And also because we like to take it out in the winter. I don't want to winterize it. So we found an indoor storage place. Mm. Um, and the, it's just a guy who bought a house, lives on a pretty large piece of land. And so he actually built one of those big steel structure buildings. Absolutely, yep. And he calculated the number of bays he needed mm -hmm. to pay the mortgage and pay the payment on his RV. Great. And so it's kind of an extreme example, but he lives for free and he has an RV for free. Good so for think him. about how much you can travel Absolutely. without those two things. Absolutely. Meanwhile, I'm paying him to go travel. <laughs> and there's a part of you that's bitter about it. And then there's a part of you that's like, hats off, my Good dude. Good for you. Yeah. Good on you. So yeah, definitely part of me that's like, as soon as I find a house with some property, I put a big ass steel building on there. No <laughs> Call kidding. It a day. And steel buildings really aren't that expensive. No, they're cheap. So um, I mean, that's kind of an extreme version, yeah. but you could totally call that house hacking too because mm -hmm. he's living for free. Absolutely. The other thing that I've seen, somebody in my neighborhood actually, they, well, I have several ADUs mm. um, 
attached dwelling units. And of course, it's a mother-in-law suite. And so you can just Airbnb or rent that Mm -hmm. structure out, which is a fantastic way to do it. They are pretty pricey. So, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. But I have somebody in my neighborhood who has a detached garage and has fixed it up very minimally. I think put some insulation and drywall in there, which is obviously very inexpensive. Yeah, Um, that's DIY level stuff. Exactly. And then epoxied the floor, rinse it out to an artist. Oh, really? Like a studio? It's a studio. That's great. It's great. Yeah. I mean, house hacking, you can get as creative as you want. Mm -hmm. Like that's something I wouldn't have thought of, but that's fantastic. Yep. What a great idea. The other thing that I've recently heard of, and this would work for the people who like to buy property around hospitals, Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing, it's through Airbnb, but they also put it on Craigslist and a couple other websites and whatnot, but targeting traveling nurses because they get a stipend each month for housing, Mm -hmm. right? And here in Denver, it's a pretty hefty one is what I've been told. Yeah. And so this person bought a triplex and then rents out these other two sides to these traveling nurses, one, because they're near a hospital, but two, because he puts it on Airbnb for 30 or more days. So it's 30 to 90 days. So it's that medium term renting. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, because you get around a lot of the like Airbnb laws. Yep. You're, you know, providing housing for traveling nurses, which is great. Um, And and you're getting a higher rent. And they're charging much higher since, you know, the nurses are able to pay for a really high rent with Mm -hmm. a stipend. So it's a win-win-win. Yeah, and probably all they had to do to transition from your typical long-term rental to something like that is go in and furnish it, right? Right. That's it? That's it. Easy. Yep, exactly. So, you know, that is, I guess, one downside of it, I suppose, if you don't want to furnish something. But if you don't mind thrifting a few items and furnishing it, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. And especially like at least so I have a client that's doing that right now. Um, They've done a kind of a walkout basement they've furnished Mm -hmm. and done for traveling nurses. Brilliant. And... You know, it's not a very big place, but again, you know, traveling nurses most of the time are traveling by themselves mm-hmm. or if they are with somebody, it's usually a spouse. Yep. So it's not like you're traveling or it's not like you're furnishing some big five bedroom, you know, right. furnishings can be pretty affordable for a, you know, a little one bedroom apartment or even a two bedroom. Yeah. I would say a one bedroom is all it really takes yeah. or a studio, quite frankly. You know, um, because I've had a few friends who do the traveling nurse lifestyle and that's what they do. They just run out a studio for a few months and just keep mm-hmm. on going. And it's fun for them, too. You yep. know, as long as you're in a good destination where you have a bunch of traveling nurses. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That one definitely location matters. But yeah. if you're in the prime spot for it, it can be a real moneymaker. And it's going back to your comment about ADUs, it's perfect for that, too. Yeah. For the traveling nurses to get in there. It's, you know, right on your property. You can furnish it easily. Typically, ADUs are smaller. So it's a really good market for that. Absolutely. One thing that I would like to go back on is the roommate situation. Um, I feel like so many people look down on roommates. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand it's not for everybody. But if you figure out the right way to have a roommate, 
it can be incredible. Oh yeah, I love having roommates. I do too. Like I'm, you know, we're not on the same page on moving, but <laughs> with roommates, I enjoy having roommates. And like when I've had, you know, when we, when we lived in Florida, um, just timing wise, like I was in a three bedroom house about the time that my friends were getting out of college, and so I kind of had like a revolving door a little bit of yeah. like. You know, I'd have friends move in. They'd live there for a year. They'd move out. My friends that were a little bit younger were then graduating, so they moved in. It was great, mm-hmm. and I still enjoy it. I mean, like, yeah. you know, we have people come and stay with us all the time. Before, I mean, before COVID, we had people come stay with us like monthly, and it's super fun. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Roommates get a like bad rap. Yeah, and especially, I think it is a little bit easier to have roommates when it's your house. And when you don't have kids. Well, yeah. You know, that's one thing that we don't put into consideration when we're getting roommates. Because, I mean, I had a roommate. I've had two different roommates in the past two years. And I loved it. I had Mm -hmm. one person renting one room from me for $850 a month. Absolutely phenomenal. That paid for nearly half of my mortgage. That's great. Right? Um. And she was in med school, so she was living off of the government's money, essentially, you know, <laughs> student loans. Yep. Um, and then I also had another, this was like a traveling doctor um, in her rotation. I mean, that is another thing about having roommates. Like, you know, maybe people look down on it, it gets a kind of a bad rap, but it's so convenient. It is so convenient. Especially when you're people like us that like to travel. Mm-hmm. Just know, like... There are times I wish we had a roommate now just because I would know somebody's like at the house and like keeping an eye on things and, you know, if a pipe burst or whatever. Yep. I mean, it's essentially, I mean, live in nannies have a very similar Mm -hmm. feel where you've got somebody living in your house, um, watching the kids and doing all that. And you're probably not charging your live in nanny rent. Yeah, you're um, paying them. <laughs> yeah, but um, it is kind of, it's just a peace of mind knowing yeah. that you've got help. So this is the opposite where they're paying you mm-hmm. and there's no kids to deal with. Exactly. It's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How many times have we said win-win on this podcast? This, But it really is. House hacking it, is such a win-win. It makes so much sense for everybody involved, yeah. truly. So yeah, we've kind of covered a lot of the basics of house hacking. Obviously... We've kind of shown you can get as creative as you want with house hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and to take that a little step even further, you kind of did a house hack, but you didn't move. How did how'd you manage that? And you didn't commit mortgage fraud. So Correct. I did not. we're, we're going to recommend this version instead. I'm really proud of myself <laughs> for that one. <laughs> Got low standards in a lot of aspects of my life. But, uh, no, it, it worked out great because I, I actually had a brother-in-law who was moving from Boulder to Denver and we were in the process of potentially buying another property and we were going to move and it was just that time and the stars kind of aligned. So you were going to do a traditional house hack. You were going to move, rent the place you were currently living, and then you went in a different direction. Exactly. Okay. So my neighbor across the street asked me if I would list his property for him. I said, absolutely. However, I kind of just want to buy it. Um, I, it was really cute. It was a four bedroom, one and a half bathroom. Okay. And it's which is a little odd, not an ideal um, count, bedroom right. to bath count. Especially ratio. for top dollar. Right. And so it worked out to where my we 
asked my brother-in-law, like, hey, would you go on the loan with us and go on title so we can put only 5% down on this property? Knowing he has no vested interest in this, we're just going to pay him, like, a few grand at the end of it. Um, And so what he did is he went on the loan. He went on title. We put 5% down. And he had – he was actually living in it, right? So that's how we got around it being mortgage fraud. And we just became – Because he was one of the owners, essentially. Exactly. Yep. And so he was – we became – excuse me. We became – non-occupying borrowers maple is uh finding her spot Ma- hey, maple is over this podcast i know <laughs> she's like i hate podcasting um anyway so we became non-occupying borrowers and he lived in the property so that's how we only paid five percent down payment and then we refinanced him off of everything and it's all good to go Right. So we are the outright owners now. Mm -hmm. He just did us a solid. Yeah. And, you know, I think like that's another thing. A lot of people don't realize that's an option. Yeah. And I think most people, you know, maybe you've got some money. Maybe you don't want to move. Maybe you don't have quite enough for a traditional investment, that 25 percent, because especially like here in Denver or other markets, that can be a pretty big threshold for people. Yep. But I feel like, at least in my family, and I feel like a lot of people I know, everybody has that one brother or cousin or whatever that maybe doesn't want to buy a house. You know, mm-hmm. I have a cousin like that. She's perfectly happy to rent. Yep. She likes to bounce around. She doesn't really stay in any certain place for more than a year or so, despite all of my efforts. Efforts. I was going to say lecturing. Effort sounds a lot nicer. <laughs> <laughs> despite all my efforts, has no interest in house hacking. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of people know somebody like that, have a family member like that, but have no idea this is an option for them. Right. Exactly. So that's a really good example of how you can get creative mm-hmm. in a totally different way that I feel like most people aren't talking about, you know, for sure. on the bigger pockets and all the books I've read on house hacking and all that, that's one that's never come up. And I, di- I didn't even know that was an option until, you know, we started chatting about it whenever that was. Yeah. Yeah, you can just be a non-occupying borrower and um, then your third person moves in. So essentially it's a tick, right? A tenant's mm-hmm. in common. So you can also do this with friends. We tried to do it with a friend, but it didn't work out. Um, but if you get a couple friends and maybe you have a little handshake deal where you buy it, three of you or two of you even buy it as a primary and then just cut them a check at the end or make whatever arrangement you need to, but then you've got somebody who's actually living in there and then they can go, the other person can go and buy a primary by themselves still. So it's yep. kind of a win-win. So there are a lot of options around that side of it as well. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of, a ton of sense both for you and for the person. Cause like you said, yep. they can still do a first time home buyer. So it really is a win-win. Yeah. But you do have to refinance to get them off. You can't just yeah. quit claim it. Yeah. Right. So that's also important to know. And it's, it's, you know, quit claiming costs here. It costs $17 and 50 cents, I think. <laughs> um, but refinance there are, it's just a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we actually added, um, a half bath. We changed the second half bath to a full bath to make it a four, two, four bedroom, two bath. Um, and then when we refinanced, we were able to pull out a lot yep. more money, which is really smart. Cause not only, does that make it better for tenants whenever you do eventually go to sell it? Yeah. A four two is a lot more desirable than a four one and a half. Yeah, exactly. So 
Again, win-win. Win-win. We should have a counter for how many times we've said win-win on this one. Just like checks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little thing amazing. on the YouTube video in the corner. Ding! <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, I think we've covered just about every way you can house hack, but I mean, as we've talked about, there's a million and one ways to do it. Yeah. I bet if we sat down with somebody, that's the fun thing about sitting down with people and saying, okay, you want to buy another property. Let's figure out how you can do it because I guarantee that there's something that we can do to make your house work for you. Yeah. 100%. Um, whether it is stowaway or having a renter or Airbnb it just when you're out of town. You know, maybe you have a van and you or your camper outdoorsman or whatever the case is, and you go away to camp for a weekend and you just Airbnb it when you're gone, you know, so it's not completely intrusive and um, it gives you at least some income each month. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the options with house hacking are almost limited or Truly. limitless. Um, so, yeah, Truly. I mean, thank you all for listening. That's about it for this week. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, we do have a YouTube channel if you want to see us and Becca's lovely dog, Maple, on this one. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, obviously, we have a podcast, so you can listen to us in the car on the go. Uh, and either way, we have TikTok, Instagram, um, all the other social medias. So connect with us on there. We love to see who's listening. And until next week, thanks. Thanks, guys.